Ben, I've decided what my actual favorite word in the whole world is. Well, I know you've been on a journey for about five years, so I'm eager to hear. It's yeah. It Onomatopoeia? It, no. It's uh it's a actually fairly usable word oh. if you're not an English major. I'm not into those. Indubitably. Indubitably. Yeah. It's hard to say correctly. Yeah, that's the, I think that's why I like it. I think what that shows is you've become a father. Listen. <laughs> Don't put me in a box. <laughs> hey, we just have to ask for the general public. I mean, we've got this listening audience we've been talking about. I'll be a dad soon. Yeah. Chase is now a father. Yes. To literally the most beautiful human ever to have been born. That's what you say. About my wife? Or both. Either way. Oh, so, father too. Yes. I, for some reason right. I heard with. All right. So uh, what, yes. what's her name? Olivia. Olivia. Going by? Uh, Olivia Liv. My wife calls her Livy. Livy. So Livy would be like the mom name. So yeah, for uh, sure. so I have to ask just for all of our fans, was that connected to John Mayer at all? Indubitably. Indubitably. Oh. <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. Circle but back. it was it was a, a great way to like tell people her name. Eventually, you know, yeah. Just start playing the song, and then they're like, "I don't get it. What's Is it something? Song? Something huh? like Olivia? Something like Olivia? Yeah. Man, Hunter, you need to get out more. I'm not a big John Mayer fan. Stop the episode. Oh my God. <laughs> we have to have a fist fight. Stop the episode. <laughs> All right. We were going to have a topic, but then something more important came up. Now we're going to convince Hunter that his music taste sucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Here's what it is, though. I can tell you why this would happen. Yeah. It's, it's uh, being exposed to workout music 47 hours a day for the past seven well, years. I, also, when I leave the gym, I don't want to listen to any type of music that plays in the gym, so... I would be open to some John Mayer. I've just never really got into him. Hunter was also a quote-unquote jock, at least on the outside looking in <laughs> growing up. And I, John Mayer was the most not non-jock friendly music coming up through the 2000s. Like almost bar none. Because I yeah. never listened to him. Not that I'm a jock, but like I, I was a sports person. I never listened to him until I got out of high school. Well, the original stuff was kind of like, is this guy Dave Matthews? I'm not sure. He's it, got yeah, sometimes it sure was. Yeah, if we're so, but I mean, rat, radically changed. So yeah. I guess maybe, so we're going to bring Hunter along. Yes. You know, which is music taste doesn't suck because Red Hot Chili Peppers is his favorite band. Yeah. But we should say uh, the album you should probably jump in on. And for the rest of everyone who's currently opening up their Spotify right now, what album should they start with? It's it's always Continuum. Got to be Continuum. Always. When did that come out? Long time ago. Yeah, 2005 or earlier. Mm, yeah, four or five. Yeah. It's where you realize this guy's a savant on the guitar. I know he's an incredible guitar yeah. player. Yeah, but if, before that, he was writing catchy tunes and making a lot of if money. You wanna, if you want to just start with one song, though, I've I've changed what I think his best song is. I think it's I Guess I Just Feel Like. Which is like brands banking new. Oh yeah, almost. yeah. You but said that. You said that. We it's were, a masterpiece, man. We were actually building a piece of furniture when you shared that information. Absolutely. With me. Yes. Yeah. So now you're for like, my baby. Yes. That's your dad here. and your carpenter. Hey, do we have a topic today? I yes, feel like, we do. Oh, okay. Watch this segue. You know, over time things tend to develop, <laughs> and uh, things change. So today we're going to talk about the increasing complexity of Cody as a industry. As a trend-setting fitness organization, yeah, it starts as one thing, it develops and grows. And we had a question come in that actually was a really intelligent question. I mistakenly attributed to Caleb. Uh, yeah, gotta, but I mean, he doesn't work there anymore. I so gotta I stop <laughs> doing that. Gotta stop doing that. Compliment of the year for y Caleb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think we should probably read the question, give credit for the question, and then do our best over the next few minutes 
to let Hunter answer this. So are we saying that we're like the moth who has now become the butterfly? That's it. Yeah, we've... Uh, we've abandoned CrossFit as a whole and developed our own thing. We've left the nest. Yeah, mm. that's how it happens. Get the, the, the bird kicked us out of the nest. <laughs> that's right. So we're at, we've, got through the, we've gotten through the free fall phase, and now we're starting to fly. As so. Mark Wahlberg says and the other guys, I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good movie. It's a great movie. Uh, yeah, so we have put out uh, some questions for a... Uh, to answer on the podcast and we got some good questions that we're going to answer in the next episode but um we got one that was really really good and i thought we could make it into a, a whole episode uh this is from uh phil gilliott phil g um shout out to you phil has been on the show before uh he also has his own podcast muscle and flow podcast so check that out muscle and flow he is a uh uh trainer in uh crossfit nola in new orleans but uh phil asked Thoughts on how you evaluate programming for three different gyms that may have three different demographics in terms of ability, age, and experience. Also, keeping a coaching staff all on the same page that operate on multiple locations. So basically a two-part um, question um, dealing with uh, kind of how you run three different gyms in three different locations. So this is like culture code part two. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're about yeah. to how, <laughs> how Hunter Owen and his staff have set the premier culture. That's what, you know, and even being able to help a guy who's in New Orleans who's, you know, killing it already. But right. it's it's a great question. It kind of gets to the heart of his thinking as, mm. as a business owner, but also banked within the question is, how do you care for the people that are trusting you with their fitness journey? So let's take the big part of the question, uh, the first part of the question, which revolves around programming, the wide scope of needs for clientele, this makes a huge difference for the people who are listening because everyone's at a different spot. And even people who are similarly gifted or have been in CrossFit for a similar amount of time, based on where they are, they could have different needs at the time. I mean, it is a huge, huge scope that you have to pay attention to when you're putting pencil to paper. And it hides a little bit. The work hides. This is why I'm interested in talking about this because the work hides on SugarWad. You, as a client, you just walk in, you're like, this is going to suck. And then you do the workout for 12 minutes and you go home. Uh, but it requires a lot of forward thinking, not just by you, but, but by everybody on staff. So I'm really intrigued about how these plans come together. Right. So um, the first thing that comes to mind with that type of question is a quote from Greg Glassman uh, a long time ago. And he said that the needs of people vary uh, by scope, not kind. And I thought that, that I think that's very, very true because um, no matter what your goal is, um, the best way to, to achieve it, fitness goal, uh, constantly varied functional movement at relatively high intensity. So, um, everything always comes back to, um, doing functional movements because, uh, functional movements are what the, the movements that the body was meant to perform. Um, so I always use this analogy, go out to a playground and watch, watch kids playing. They're doing functional movements. They're running, they're jumping, they're squatting. They're picking things up and putting them over their head, um, all that type of stuff. Those are the things the body was meant to perform that you don't have to learn. You just do naturally and that humans have been doing for thousands of years. And so that's what is going to provide the best um, response to our body because uh, that's what our body was meant to perform. So those are the movements that we base everything around. Um, constantly varied, so we're always changing it up. Um, Keeping the body guessing. Um, we all know that routine is the enemy. Um, 
anybody who's worked out of the gym consistently and gone in and done the same thing every week has reached a point of plateau. We've all we've all been through that. Um, that's why we have to keep things up, uh, keep changing things up. Relatively high intensity. I say relatively because everybody's at different uh, place. What's intense intensity to me um, is is uh, different for what is intensity to a 65 year old um, grandmother. You know, so but if we're we're finding a way to get help everybody reach their own intensity level. So all that being said, when we uh, you know we we started off as one gym and. For our program, we always had an RX and a scaled. Um, and then when we we bought a second gym, we continued to do that model. Well, this whole time I was thinking ahead and I knew the goal was to have multiple locations and we would have to have a more standardized uh, program uh, that we could, um, you know, distribute across different places because if you're programming for one gym, you can kind of think about, well, these are the people that come in every day. This is this is kind of what I see. If you're programming for three gyms or five gyms or 10 gyms, you don't, a lot of times you're not going to be able to think about that. So you have to have a lot more generalized program, but make sure that it has enough variation and variety to be able to reach lots of different types of people. Um, and so that then we started thinking about that. Well, when we, when we bought the third gym, I knew that we needed to make that change. And um, I've been thinking a lot about how, and we talked about this a lot in the program episode, how to get the competitors in the class, number one, because we used to have a separate competitor program. Number two, I knew that, you know, in, cl in a class setting, there's different types of people with different goals. So how do you have a competitor work out with somebody who's trying to lose 50 pounds um, and do the same workout? Um and so that's where, that's when, you know, after I went to Ben Bergeron seminar and that, that helped me put a lot of the pieces together, but that's when we decided to do our three tracks, uh, in our program. And so the three tracks is a great way for us to be able to steer people towards what they should be doing in a given day. Um, but still getting the intended, uh, stimulus of, you know, performing the functional movement, but we're, they're just doing a different variation of it. So. Um, the fitness track is for people who are trying to live a fit and healthy life. Um, this is the track for people who maybe want to, are trying to lose a lot of weight or um, not really want to uh, lift a whole lot of heavy weights, don't really want to do a whole lot of skills. Um, they just want to be fit and functional for the rest of their life. That's the fitness track. Performance track is people who maybe want to, maybe they want to do CrossFit to get better for their skiing trip, or maybe they want to perform better in the gym, but they don't ever want to compete. Or maybe they play uh, uh, baseball or something like that. And this is performance track. So the, the weights are going to be a little bit heavier. The skills are going to be a little bit more complex. But they're still not going to be doing, you know, squat snatches. They're still not going to be doing ring muscle-ups because there's no need for those people to do that. Um, and, you know, those are higher skill, higher risk type movements. Um, and then the competition, obviously, people who want to compete in the sport of CrossFit. Maybe they are getting ready for the Open. Maybe they're getting ready for... Pensacola Beach Brawl, maybe they're going to try to do a sanctional, maybe they're trying to qualify for the CrossFit Games, you know, so obviously there's a need for them to be doing handstand walks and uh, bar muscle-ups and, um, you know, lifting heavy weights and stuff like that. So through that, um, if we start doing everything in three tracks, then we can take a, a particular workout, um, and, the, and the way I do it is I'll program the the 
the competition workout and I will know the intended stimulus of this workout and then I can adjust it to the other levels. Um, and so say, um, Amanda, for example, is a workout that we're doing, um, tomorrow in class, which is squat snatches, or ring muscle ups. Now, if you're just doing an RX and scaled, um, in your class and you put a man up on the board, well, every single person who comes in that day, that's not doing ring muscle ups and squat snatches at 135 for guys, 95 for women is going to walk out feeling defeated because they had to scale the workout. Um, or you might get somebody who's just going to do everything they can to RX the workout and it takes them 15 minutes to, to finish the workout. Well, that's not the intended stimulus. This workout's meant to be a four to eight or nine minute workout. If, if it's taking you 15 to 20 minutes, you're not getting a whole lot of it. You might as well um, go to the side and practice your squat snatches and ring muscle-ups on your own um, because that's all you're doing, really going to be doing is going to be doing skill work. You're not getting a whole lot of it if you're having to do ring muscle-ups one at a time and having trouble, you know, hitting the reps on the squat snatches. So then we say, okay, what's the intended stimulus of this? Okay, we want this workout done in four to ten minutes. Uh, let's let's find a variation of this workout that's going to um, give that intended stimulus to the performance group, and let's t find a variation of this workout that's going to uh, give that same stimulus to the fitness group. So then we'll say, okay, um, instead of doing ring muscle-ups, let's do burpee pull-ups um, for the fitness and performance track. Um, the, the per and then we'll, we'll, instead of doing squat snatches, we'll do power snatches um, for the performance track. Um, and then we'll do a lighter weight um, power snatch for the uh, fitness track. So that's the kind of thinking that goes in each um, particular day. What is the intended stimulus of this workout? And let's find a variation that's going to give that intended stimulus to each particular track. Now, one major thing is these are not set in stone guidelines for each particular person. These are just um, or, um, rules or, or weights or whatever. These are just guidelines. Now, it's up to the coach of each particular class to help somebody steer um, each individual person into what um, what it is. So every day in our workout, we'll post notes, say, this is the intended stimulus. Like, so yesterday, yeah, let's take yesterday, for example, the workout was four rounds, 30 wall balls, um, 30 calories, 30 calorie row for guys, 25 for females with a two minute rest. And in the notes, it said, um, the goal of this is to be able to do the wall balls unbroken or at most one break. Um, and then to push it on the road. But the goal was really to get people to do four sets of 30 wall balls unbroken. And so this, this allows people to know, okay, I need to pick a wall ball that is going to challenge me, but I think I can do unbroken all four sets. And so maybe somebody who might throw the 30 pound wall ball most times, but there there's, they know there's no way I'm gonna be able to do four sets of 30 unbroken. Well, this is a set, a chance for the coach and the athlete to say, Hey, Let's do the 20-pound wall ball today, and let's really try to push it and try to do four sets of 30. And I actually coached a class, and there was a guy who, who was asking me that, and I said, let's do the 20 today and really try to push it and go unbroken. Well, he did unbroken on three of the four sets. One said he had to drop it, but he was smoked <laughs> because he had to really dig deep. Yeah. Instead of, like, picking the 30-pound wall ball, doing, like, five, you know, breaking it up two or three times every time and not really going into that, into that pain cave. Um, like we were intended for that particular workout. So I had um, that exact experience yesterday, actually, because yeah. I knew that um, 
not to dive too deep into my own fitness journey, but I knew that I could throw the 30, but I went to the board and said, looked at the average times for the day. And I go at the, at the, towards the end of the day, three mm-hmm. 30, I'm like, man, based on those times, based on knowing those guys, like I do, if, if I pick up the 30, this is going to extend this workout by roughly three minutes mm-hmm. and I'm getting outside of the bounds of what's actually supposed to happen here today. Yeah. So, uh, and then, so I got kind of overly confident and was doing those wall balls unbroken, pushing it on the row, and I collapsed on that yeah. last round. Uh, but I knew I wasn't frustrated out of that because I knew, all right, I went for it. Yeah. You know, I'm rolling around on the floor, taking my shoes off. I'm like, this was the goal. I obviously met the goal. That was the goal. And that the goal was, hey, this is going to push you a little bit, and this is going to get you out of your comfort zone, um, and this is going to be a mental test. Uh, but I had multiple people tell me, man, I'd never done four sets of 30 wall balls before, and I did it yesterday. That was really cool. I had somebody send me a message on Instagram talking about how hard the workout was, um, which that was intended for that particular day. That was it. That was the goal. I was wiped out after that workout. Like <laughs> I was, I, I had a men's group after after class later on, and I walked in. They're like, "Are you okay? You look terrible." <laughs> and this was like 45 minutes later. I was like, "Man, that workout was smoke a piece of my soul," you know. But <laughs> um, but now when you have when those same people walk in and see a hundred wall balls for time, they're doing a little bit different math. They're thinking, "Well, thank God I don't have to row." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. And so it, that's just one particular example of, you know, each day there is an intended stimulus. And that was a good good point that you made about the time. We want most people finishing in a certain time domain. We've talked about this before. 75% of our workouts, we want most people finishing in that 8 to 12-minute range. Now, yesterday was a longer workout, but there was two minutes rest in, in there. So you take the six minutes of rest total off of the the times and the times were anywhere from 15 to 22 24 for most people so you take that down that's a nine to what is that 16 Mm -hmm. minute of work so we're we're right around where we want to be maybe a little bit longer if you take out the rest um and so the goal for that particular day was to do that um and then you know the big thing is in the notes we put the intended stimulus and then we really preach to our coaches um we want when in doubt, our athletes going lighter and less skill because that is going to allow them to push the intensity more. It's really easy to pick the heavier weight in the workout and stand there and look at it and your heart rate's down. You're not going to get a whole, whole lot out of it. I'm always telling people, look, if you're trying to get stronger, do that outside of the workout. It, when it comes to the workout, let's drop the weight and let's go faster because that's what's going to your, – your body's going to adapt to that much faster than – um, if you're doing heavyweight and um, and and just sitting there looking at the bar. So let's talk about you. You've done a lot of talking. It's been very informative about the mathematics, about the thinking behind it. There's a also a, a big portion of it that says we have to get information to our coaches. Mm-hmm. Then we have to get information to our clients. I mean, a lot of forward thinking here, a lot of trickle down economics. Like if we're doing the correct level of thinking eventually that will invade how our how our athletes how our clients are thinking and after a while i think once you guys implemented this you were answering less and less questions about these well what should i do and how you know mm-hmm. we did a whole episode on this but it was at the at the start of the process now i can see people self selecting i can see people actually taking combos like the workout that you're describing 
I'm going to be doing, I'm not going to be doing ring muscle ups, but I will be doing squat snatches because I can. And if I choose not to do that, then I'm, I'm pulling back from the work I need to be doing. Yeah. So, but I may have to adjust the weight. I don't know, but there's room for all that to happen. And it's, uh, it's indicative of the athlete owning their own journey, Mm -hmm. which that's what you want anyway. But let's talk about the more complex piece in my mind. And the thing that I've watched you guys wrap your mind around so well, and that's culture. Mm-hmm. creating a culture. And the, and the main thing that I see in CrossFit boxes across the South that I've dropped into is this huge division of labor. We have this group and we have that group. And eventually what happens, in my opinion, inside of a box is that a box becomes a fitness box mm-hmm. or a competition box or a, it's, it's this broad scope just doesn't take root. Yeah. No matter what's up on, on the board when you walk in, you guys have figured that out. I think that'd be a very intriguing thing to to see how you got there. Yeah. So are you talking about the the culture for the coaches or the culture for the class or the culture for everybody? Well, it, I think it covers the culture for everybody. What what I'm really trying to dive into is the Coyote culture. Yeah. Because there is one. There's no doubt about yeah. it. There is one, and it's attractive. Um, can we go back to the program for one second, real sure, quick? Sure. We we took a really micro view of uh, individual day to day classes, but. If we pull back and look at the macro view, uh, I knew when we did this that we were going to have to have a template because you have to have a template to be able to start to standardize things in your in your workout. And so that's something that I really spent a whole the, probably the first half of last year trying to develop and tweak a template for the class. And then how would that also go over into the uh, supplemental work? And I feel like we've really gotten gotten that down, you know, pretty good. Um, to be able to to hit on uh, different people with different goals and all that type of stuff. But everything goes in either five or 10-week blocks for us. Um, and then in that block, we're going to hit a certain amount of uh, strength movements uh, varying between light, medium, heavy, and max maximal efforts. Um, we're going to hit a certain amount of couplets and triplets. Like I said earlier, we're going to hit 70 try to say about 75% of the time workouts in the eight to 12 minute. Um, I'm always monitoring how often we're doing pushing upper body, pushing upper body, pulling, um, you know, hip extension, all that type of stuff for different movements, you know, monitoring the weights, reps, everything. Um, but that all fits into a template so that we're not overdoing, um, certain things. And then we're also not underdoing certain things. And then I'm also keeping in mind, what are the, the vast majority of people lacking in well we're all humans and we're all so you know we all need similar things now that the 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 scope of the needs vary from person to person but um most of our athletes um are and most people in general all have the same issues because we sit so much um and so we're we're really trying to work those weaknesses of shoulders rolling forward. So we're really trying to do a lot of upper back strengthening stuff to really get those shoulders start to pull back. Um, we really, so we do a lot of that in the, in the, um, accessory work. If you'll, if you start to notice that we do a lot of stuff like that. We also know that the, the hips are usually tight. People have trouble engaging their glutes. Um, so we do a lot of like single leg work, like, uh, lunges, step up, stuff like that to really try to get those, um, to where we can start firing those better. Um, and so those are, you know, we're, we're looking at people in general, trying to, to fill those holes that we see for the most people. And then we also have the supplemental work for people like say somebody's really trying to lose, um, a whole lot of weight. 
um, and they want to do some extra cardio. Well, we got the conditioning program for that. People are trying to um, put on extra muscle. We have the supplemental strength, all that. So we're, we're sprinkling that stuff in to make sure each person gets a good dose of that. But then there's also extra stuff that people can add on to outside of class if they want some extra work. So, you know, looking at the macro view, everything's done in cycles. So, so that even in the class, whether they realize it or not, but the, the extra work is going to be doing the cycles where they're doing things every single week, trying to focus on something. The class is only going to be hitting on every few weeks. Um, because if, if we're only getting people four hours a week, we want to make sure they're getting the variety that they need. So it's like a fitness buffet. Yeah. Whatever you need, it's available. It's available. And whatever you, you, your goal is, we, we want to try to help people get there and we want to try to steer them in that, you know, we're the, we're the guides, um, for each person's particular journey, um, uh, fitness journey and whatever they're trying to do, we want to try to help them get there. And we want to try to provide the most options so that we can help them get to where they're, they're trying to go. And, and we really feel like this class, this program structure has really allowed us to really dive down deep and be able to um, meet people where they're at. You know, meet people. We always say we want to help people get in the best shape of their life at their own pace in a supportive community. And at their own pace, the three tracks really allows us to be able to meet people where they are and let them kind of go at their pace, but they still get to do it in the class setting because that is where people are going to make much more progress than if they're working out by themselves all the time because um, they're kind of raising to the level, you know, of, of everybody else. So to, to get back to summarize uh, the original part of this question, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like in the way that you're answering it, you must embrace the complexity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of people have this Occam's razor, like I need, I got to find the most simple solution. That's the best solution. That's the one that applies to the most people. You guys are taking a pretty different approach there and saying there are lots of variables here and we've got to accommodate for those variables in order to meet the needs of the most people. And it's going to take more work. It's going to take more thinking. It's going to take more output. But that's what we're providing uh, for for this uh, group of athletes. And it all it, what it does is it takes what you're offering is an incredible value because it's across the board. We hadn't even talked about uh, on this episode the nutrition uh, mm-hmm. advice and training and coaching that's available. I mean – you walk into a Coyote uh, um, gym and you're going to have access to all you could possibly want. <laughs> you know, it's a very complex. Yes, it's very, very complex. This is a culmination of years and years and years of study um, and trial and error on my part, on Chris's part, on just through the gym um, and what we've done and what we've seen work and what we've seen haven't. We, has not worked and we've really kind of culminated that and we're always tweaking and I'm always watching always watching sugar wide seeing what people are posting always watching people in workouts seeing um and listening to people seeing if that if if they're if any kind of tweaks are, are flaring up for more than a couple people and then we'll kind of look at this and I'll say all right we need to tweak this or tweak that but it there it's a lot a lot of work on the front end um when we're planning this stuff out um, but that's something that I enjoy doing and it's something that, you know, is very important that we make sure that our programming is, 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 is top notch so that, um, we can provide the, the best quality service. And so it's something that we're always, always tweaking with playing with 
it's not the let's oh it's Sunday night we haven't posted a workout yet let's let's throw up uh, five <laughs> workouts on the board and 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 we'll figure it out you know yeah um, th- th- there's a whole lot of planning that goes into it on the front end and there's always tweaking um, to make sure that we're helping people hit their goals and then you know on the supplemental work I'm always monitoring the strength and the competitors and the games prep uh, programs um, seeing how the cycles went seeing what needs to be changed and adapted to to make more progress and all that type of stuff so you're trying to move the needle you've got this perception uh we're going to check crossfit.com import that into our gym software throw that up on the whiteboard and see what happens that's one side the other side is like the olympic village where we're right. walking around getting feedback and oh yeah talking feedback to from everybody yeah. yeah i'm always watching listening seeing what people are saying um and and looking and seeing maybe we need to to tweak this going forward it's very complex, but when it comes to the workouts, we really want we try to keep them as simple as possible because the simple workouts are the are the most effective. Um, Monday, for example, we had a 12 minute AMRAP. Um, it was uh, 12 uh, lightweight snatches, 12 bar face and burpees, 12 toes to bar. Simple, um, but brutally effective. Like that workout wiped people out. I had multiple people say, "Man, that workout was awful." Same with Tuesday. They, uh, yesterday's workout was a simple workout but it was extremely effective so we try to keep the workouts simple um but they're all fit into a very complex um um you know template and setup and all that type of stuff yeah well those are the best systems where the people who are participating in them aren't aren't overwhelmed by yeah. trying to participate which creates longevity i mean all all that's been thought out i think you know sitting here listening to you describe it it fires me up a little bit to be a part of this uh, ecosystem because we're really, each of us are part of this grand experiment. You know, mm-hmm. can we battle what's happening to the human body and culture? Can we participate in being submissive to a system that's been thought out? I mean, listen, the, even the mental benefits, we don't have time to talk about. That should be a different episode, I think. But being able to walk in and submit to a system, and, and it's changing my mind sitting mm-hmm. here listening to this. If I participate in the accessory work and I walk over and start doing that and I start monkeying around with the percentages, man, I'm just like, that's like putting water in the gas tank. You, you just shouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it all has its place. And if, if a day says, let's say um, we want this rep range in the 65 to 80% range and then people are building every set and then they get up to their 90, 95%, like, well, that this was not meant to be that heavy. There's a place for that later on. Um, and, and so when we do get to that, you might not be able to get to that percent because, you know, the body has to recover and adapt and you have to, you have to take everything else that we're doing that day and that week into effect. It's not just, you know, you just, most, you know, most people are just coming in and looking at it on a day-to-day basis, but I'm trying to take the bird's eye view of a five, 10, or even like a year long look of, what time of year are we in, you know, the, we're going to do the open in the class. So we, we have to keep that in mind. We have to be ready for the open type workouts that type of year. Whereas this is more of like an off season type, you know, building, accumulating volume, building strength, um, accumulating um, capacity in, in the gymnastics movements and by doing holds and that type of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, well, let's let's get past the program and, and talk to the, the culture thing that you talked about. Yeah, um, because that's something that I'm very passionate about, um, and I I really um, enjoy uh, talking about this. I actually have given a couple talks about this with other people. Um, 
and you know other groups that I've 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 spoken to, but um, culture, we have been very very um, uh, particular. We've been very uh, what's the word um, intentional? Yeah, inten- yeah, exactly intentional on create, trying to create the culture that we want to create. Right. So first, uh, it was like, well, what do we want to stand for as a as a gym and as an organization? Because you know, Coyote CrossFit kind of uh, in embodied that culture without us real realizing it was just kind of took on the culture of of me and what I was doing and then people kind of you know started you know gravitating toward that and and doing that but if you have more than one location you know you can't just rely on the the culture of of one or two leaders in that gym to to kind of fit that mold you kind of have to be intentional on what you're trying to do and so you know that was when we had our off-site meeting you know a year and a half two years ago and said well, what do we want to stand for as organization and you, we took the the core values of humble and hungry, um, and those were from Patrick Lencioni. I, uh, he is a very well known author, um, business consultant, and he he came up with those and said those were the most consistent over all the businesses he's helped over the years. And you know Ben Bergeron, they talk about that as well, and he took it from Lencioni, and he'll tell you that. Um, the third one is um, you know people uh, people smart um, and. and that's kind of something that we we look at more for our coaches. But as our athletes, we want people who are humble and people who are hungry. So humble means um, they know that they're not um, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, they're willing to check their ego at the door. They're willing to drop the weight um, in the workout uh, to get the required stimulus. Um, they're not going to let their ego get in the way. Um, and they're always showing up with a growth mindset trying to better themselves. That's the humble part. The hungry part is, hey, I know I'm not where I want to be. I'm going to keep putting in the work every single day, um, and I'm going to realize that this is a process, and I'm going to enjoy the process, but I realize I'm not ever going to be where I want to be, and I want to try to get better every single day. So that's what we try to embody body to our people through. We have a different word of the month every month that we break it down by. We're always talking about that type of stuff. Um, we talk about it in our our podcasts, we talk about it in our articles, we, our coaches talk about it. We try to embody it by leading from the front, and we try to demonstrate that every single time we're in the gym. Um, we are always trying to be positive and not negative, not be negative, not try to uh, complain or um, make excuses. Now, obviously, we're all human. It's going to happen from time to time, but we try to lead and set the example of be positive and, and, and be very intentional about these are the the traits that we're trying to embody as coaches, um, and then we need to let that trickle down to our athletes. And if we set that tone every single day in the gym, that it's going to attract the people who are who want to um, do that, or it's going to bring that out of people. And there, honestly, there's some members that have it. It kind of stirs up something and makes them feel uncomfortable, and then and they leave, and that's fine because you know they don't fit the culture that we're trying to 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 create. But it's going to bring it's either going to bring that out or amplify that in people, or it's going to um, kind of turn them off and they're going to leave and go somewhere else. So we've been very intentional about that. Now, how have we done that with our coaches? <clears throat> well, you know, we have a coach's handbook where we talk about all this stuff. Every single coach, when they come in, when they're onboarded, um, we spend a lot of time training them. We go over all this type of stuff, and we um, we talk about these are our core values. This is what it looks like. Um, this is what it looks like every single day when you when you coach a class. Um, from the, the warm-up, from how you should be greeting people, um, how you should be uh, carrying yourself, 
what you should be saying and doing while you're coaching class. These are things you shouldn't be avoiding um, when you're coaching um, a class, um, all that type of stuff. And then, you know, we talk about that every single week with our weekly uh, staff email, uh, staff, staff videos that we send out to, to, our, to our coaches about the week um, that Chris talks about each day's workout, what the in, intent and stimulus is, what they should be focusing on. Um, but really it starts with – before we're even onboarding, obviously we got to find the right coaches who fit the right mold. And we've been very, very particular about picking the right people. And when they come along, we, we, we make a spot for them. You know, that's, that's kind of my, um, my job at this point is to get the right people on the bus. Um, so um, this is an analogy I made when I was talking to a group of guys. Um, uh, what, you know, sports is a great analogy because everybody can kind of, kind of, they know what it is, they can relate to it. So let's take the New England Patriots, for example. Number one, you got to get the right people on the bus. <clears throat> So you got to have Tom Brady on the bus. You know, he's a right right guy. Then, you know, say that I don't know who their center is, but they're, it used to be a guy named – I can't remember what their, their center's name is. But anyways, you got their, say their center and Tom Brady. They're both the two right guys on the bus. But you also have to get them in the right seats. Well, if you have Tom Brady playing center and you have the center, center playing quarterback, you got the right guys on the bus, but they're playing their own positions. You're not going to get very far if Tom Brady's snapping the ball and having the block, you know. So then you got to get them. They probably still win. I don't know. It's just <laughs> you got to get them in the right place. Belichick would make it work, right? So you got to get them in the right seat. So um, that's what we try to do. We try to get the right coaches on the bus, and then we try to get them in the right place. We try to get them doing the things that they're good at in the organization and finding out uh, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and then and getting them do that. Um, so that's what we've kind of tried to set up as an organization: get the right people on the bus get them doing the right type of stuff. And then through that, we're constantly reinforcing these are our core values. Are, 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 are we being humble? Are we being hungry? That's how we do our staff reviews each year. They rate themselves on each category, and there's different uh, marks that they, that they say, this is what I've been good at, this is what I need to work on, and then we talk about that. And so we're always trying to enforce that. And then that trickles down to all the athletes and then starts attracting the people who fit those personality traits and it brings out the those traits even more amplifies them more and then you start just developing that culture i'll tell you where this shows up like let's talk about where the rubber meets the road we're running a little short on time um where this shows up is on occasion we'll do partner wise inside mm -hmm. of the the gym and uh inevitably it happens where the coach is walking through the workout talking about the percentage output energy systems all that and everybody's kind of listening, but they're also scouting out their partners. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, how am I feeling today? Had the bacon cheeseburger. Let me find the new guy. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what what you always get down to is there's a pairing or a couple of pairings. Someone was on a business call. The other person's in the john. They walk out and like, okay, who's left? Right. Yeah. Uh, and you, I see this happen over and over and over again. You have these elite level athletes, and I really do mean that people can push just to the absolute maximum day after day after day. Then you have someone who's not not at that place, admittedly, like, hey, I'm here to make sure that I can stay out of the wheelchair as long as possible. That's my goal. And you don't have a lot of fighting or sloughing off or uh, you know, stepping out of the draft or I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the 430 class. Those athletes are willing to get in there and partner together because 
the culture dictates that. Yeah. There's and there's no problem there. Having partner wads is no issue, and you don't have people setting up everybody setting up partners before class. It also trickles down in this way. You've got fist bumps and conversations going on between people who who otherwise have no commonalities in mm-hmm. their life. They're completely different people, completely different athletes. And this all starts uh, at the top. You know, that when you say trickle down, that's exactly how it's got to work. So for Phil G listening to this saying, you know, how do I create this? Well, you got to embrace complexity. You also got to commit to this at the top. And, and let's be honest about this. You're the kind of guy that was keeping stats on his video games as a middle schooler, yeah. right? So you've got a tendency towards these sorts of things. But if you're going to create a culture inside of a fitness industry where this is going to work, you've got to be that kind of person like humble, hungry, and intentional, I mm-hmm. think would be if someone's getting started, I've got to be intentional about it. And we've the thing that we can celebrate today on this episode is we have seen it work. We yeah. have seen it work. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're trying to <clears throat> set a culture, set um, because culture, what you know, this question was about programming. It was about coaching staff, but it all comes back to culture. You have to get the culture in place first, um, but to to for any of this other stuff to work. And so, if you say you have five locations. Well, you need to be extremely intentional about the people that you have running at these locations, and you have to have be extremely intentional about this is what we stand for um, at our locations. This is what these are the core values we're going to embody each and every single day. You have to define them, and you have to give examples of what that looks like day to day, um, and then you have to uh, give them the structure, which we are very. W- going back to a micro view of a class, our class is very structured with how it's run. No matter, uh, that's one of the things we focused on a lot last year was no matter what class, what time, what location, what coach, every class should look the same. So I don't know if you, if you'll notice like, but if you go to each location, class starts right at the exact same time. It's run the same way. The mobility is run like we do foam rolling on this leg for one minute, and then we do foam roll on this leg for one minute. You know, we do this exact warm up, then we bring everybody in. We talk about the, we do the announcements, and we talk about the workout. It follows the same structure. Then we, you know, we we do the warm up, we do the class, we do the cool down stretch, and then we break it down. Every single class is run the same way each each day, no matter what the workout is. So every coach is, and then you know, every coach is running through the same, um, you know, kind of playbook, and then the coach has the same type of cues. They should be giving people, you know, the same positive attitude, all that type of stuff. <clears throat> and so we, we develop all that type of stuff on the front end and then talk about it week after week after week and make sure people are doing, it. and then, you know, we'll have, uh, this is something that we want to implement more is having uh, coaches auditing other classes and sitting in and watching and saying, uh, this is what you did well, this is what you could have done better, all that type of stuff. And um, then, you know, it's just creating this, the systems of how you, how you coach the class. For one small, low monthly fee, you can have access to all this stuff. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Completely still, crazy. Still a century. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Man, so I, I feel like we uh, pretty, pretty completely answered that I, question. I think so, too. And, um, you know, if, if, if people have more questions about this or they want us to go, I mean, this is a huge, broad topic. Like, no, no how, doubt. How do you run your organization? We'll talk about it in every day. Well, <laughs> a lot. Um, but if if there's any particular area that people want to know more of, um, you know, you can shoot shoot me or shoot uh, Coyote 
or any of our gyms uh, a DM and um, or you can email me hunter at coyotecrossfit.com and uh, we can talk more about it. But you know that that's I love you know seeing what people want to hear about and 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 trying to delve deep into it. And um, you know we haven't gotten all figured out. We're constantly working at trying to trying to tweak and fine tune and make things better. And you know as we continue to grow and hopefully add more locations, we'll have to continue. <clears throat> I'm sure there'll be more things that come up that we have to figure out how to do it. But um, it's funny like when you start adding multiple locations, you have to really tighten things down on the on the home front before. Mm. Um, because you can get away with not really having a whole lot of systems in place. If you have one location, maybe even two, like, if, especially if they're in the same town, like you can get away with, um, running over here and putting out this fire, run over here, putting out that fire. Well, let's do this today. Let's do that tomorrow. But when you start having multiple locations across multiple cities and spread out, you have to put systems in place and you have to have uniformity to how you do things or things just aren't going to work. I think one thing we say before we get to our outside the box is a, a great thing to either um, get on Audible or purchase would be Culture Code. I yep. mean, it is like the primer for every, almost everything we've talked about through this episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we should just have a whole episode talking about that book. It's so great. Um, and then Patrick Lencioni, anything that guy has done is anything is incredible. His book, The Advantage, is like the blueprint that I have followed for um, our our offsite, our quarterly meetings, our weekly staff meetings, um, our evaluations, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's got tons of, tons of books. It'd be impossible to pick the best, but the that advantage is, is like a summary of all, of all his, of them, all yeah. his books. And all, then all his other books are like parables. And then at the end, like the, the, uh, what's the, the team five ideal, uh, dysfunctions of a team, five dysfunctions of a team. And yeah. then the ideal team player. Those are a couple of really good ones. Death by meeting was a really good one. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. And they're quick reads, quick reads. So, uh, all right. Well, I think we satisfied that question. Now we got to get to the... the Wait, uh, so Caleb at CoyoteCrossFit.com? Yeah. Does that exist? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where you want to send all your questions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Send them all to Caleb. <laughs> Caleb at CoyoteCrossFit.com. So now we get to our uh, one of our favorite portions of the episode. Uh, Outside. Outside the box. That was tight. Yes. Nice. Clean that up and post. Will do. <laughs> <laughs> So huge, huge topic, but I think we're going to get to this quickly because we've got some redundancy. What's the word you were supposed to use? Indubitably. Indubitably, we will probably have overlap in our answers today. Did I use that correctly? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I didn't you say yet. I knew the definition. So we're talking about, and this is a short, uh, short time domain, but uh, this, so far this year, the best movie that we've seen so far this year. Meaning like the Oscar season, right? Not just... I was just saying. Uh, I was thinking the calendar year. So calendar like year. 2020, like yeah, what I've yeah. seen. Like as of February, uh, you know, whatever day it is. So January 1st to yes. time of recording. Uh, oh, assuming shoot. you've assuming you've watched movies in that time period. I may or may not have only watched one <laughs> movie this year so far. <laughs> well, well, then you got your pick. Yeah, <laughs> guaranteed. I've only seen a few, and some of them were older. But uh, I mean, I I have just a very clear winner. Uh, no doubt about it. So I think yeah. we should probably let Hunter go first, then you and I, because I think we have this based probably, on, yeah. on what we're thinking. So um, I uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of movies this year. Um, I actually, I take that back. We did. We went. Uh, my wife and I have been going back and watching um, some movies that we've already seen. Um, like we watched all the Harry Potters. We watched uh, all the Lord of the Rings stuff like that. Mm. Um, but. Uh, the probably the best new movie that I've seen, and um, 
I'm just I'm I'm just completely drawing a blank on the name. It's the movie that I just told you guys what it was. Uh, Parasite. <laughs> Parasite. Yeah, yeah. The, it won Best Picture um, at the Academy Awards this year. So this was a a, a Korean movie. Um, it's all subtitles. South Korean. South Korean movie. Yes, yeah, South Korean. <laughs> <laughs> Man, thanks for that clarification. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> Would have been hard to find that other one. It was a South Korean movie. Uh, subtitles, and I I didn't really know much about it. Um, it was really good. Um, it was, uh, it's about this, it's, it's like kind of a dark comedy. It takes really? Pretty, it takes pretty, uh, pretty dark twist <laughs> at the end of the movie actually. But, um, it's about this, uh, family who is just really poor down on their luck and, um, they, they're out of work and they find this, uh, rich family who, uh, they, it, they ingrain themselves in the family and they start getting, um, themselves hired working for this family like the first one is the son he becomes a tutor for the for the one of the kids and then he finds out that they um need um a uh, another job in i can't remember what it is but then he gets his sister to have the job but he pretends like she's somebody else oh she 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 goes in and tutors their daughter um and then they he, they find a way to get their house made uh fired and get the get their mom as the housemaid and then they find a way to get the, the chauffeur fired and get their dad as a chauffeur, but they're pretending like they're not a family. Like they, they don't really know each other. Um, and then they all start working with those family and then everything goes wrong, but it's, it's really, really funny. Um, and then also really kind of dark at the end, but it was real, it was, it was a good movie. I, I would highly recommend it. I was, I was not surprised at one best picture. Now I haven't seen many of the other ones. You guys said the other movie was really good. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll watch that as well, but after you know, I've talked a lot about how I'm not a big fan of a lot of the newer movies that have come out. This this is definitely a movie that I thought was worthy of winning Best Picture. It was just very incredibly well done, well shot, well acted. Um, dialogue was really good, um, and the story, the plot line was good, and it really um, kept you on your toes. So I would ha I would recommend it. I kind of love the fact actually that that uh, cinema is becoming a world yeah, thing. Definitely, you know? it's not just this. It's not based just in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. one or two locations in the U.S. that are pumping out stuff, and a and, few people are winning all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I feel like it's a, it's making especially Americans smarter, <laughs> you know, exposing yeah. them to things, perspectives around the world. So I'm I'm eager to see this now. I would have skipped over it because I'm like, man, to read the whole movie, but I'm getting used to it now because there's so many good shows on Netflix that are subtitled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even. I mean, after five or ten minutes, you just forget that you're even reading. Yeah. Oh, well, you would. You would. So. <laughs> he actually finished it faster than the movie actually ran. It's an hour and a half movie. I finished it in forty five minutes. <laughs> <Is> he, <can laughs> he, <laughs> two tone speed. It's crazy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So I, we have the, we have the share. You want to go first or let, or let me go first? Uh. I'll just say it, and then okay. you can do your normal Ben expounding upon. Yeah, okay, good. And then you interrupt me and, and say what really matters. <laughs> Deal. Yeah. Uh, so the other movie that Hunter was talking about that uh, was really like, I feel like the main competitor for uh, Picture of the Year was a, a World War One movie called 1917. It's a pretty atypical war movie, actually. It's uh, It was much less um, warfare type war movie than you know typical like e even saving private ryan minus the first um opening scene you know there's still little pockets of like actual fighting that happen you know even though it's a very drama driven character driven movie this movie is very much small encounter small small screen type feels in terms of like 
you know, the amount of characters we see and stuff like that, the amount of names we get with people. But shoot, was it good? Shoot. Shoot. Hot Heck, dog. Darn. Hot dog. Yeah. Hot skippy dippy, man. Was it good? <laughs> yeah, it was Never really good. Never said that in my life. So we have uh skippy dippy. <laughs> so you have all this stuff for the uh for the video, the filming geeks that it looks like it the movie is filmed in a way to make it look like it was one single take. Yes. So uh, the way it, to explain that for the common man is if you remember ER that had these really extensive takes where the cameras leaving one room, walking into the other, and, then mm-hmm. the, and you don't have these cuts like, oh, fade, new scene, yep. commercial break. It's none of that. I mean, yep. it, they did not actually do that, but they had to do a lot of work to make it look like they did that. Yeah, and a, a lot of the work was not digital. It was just like smart cuts yes. used with like, you know, someone walk in front of the camera, trees, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, but the trick of it is, it's just like with the subtitles, the, the longer you're watching, you don't even really notice that. You, you yeah, just feel you like forget. you're immersed like, in the movie. Like the, the 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 fun fact about it will suddenly pop in your head like 45 minutes in and you're like, oh shoot, I forgot. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think we should also admit that we're suckers for war movies, also for history. 100%. Uh, but it really, it it's less... It is a movie about that, but less about that. So I think the best way to explain this is the guy that produced, wrote the, wrote the whole thing, he listened to stories of his grandfather mm-hmm. about this war yep. and took those very human stories and put them in movie form. And uh, it just, it really, really shows. So it's, it's a moving movie, not like Saving Private Ryan, where you walk out and just like want to say the Pledge of Allegiance in the lobby. Yeah. yeah, you're just, you're like, man, that was a very difficult thing those humans went through. It's a less celebrated war for some reason in America. It's a, it's a less... Well, I mean, when the sequel is as impactful as World War II was compared to World War One, it's yeah, it's hard to not get overshadowed. Yeah, it's it's worth your time. Male or female, it's worth your time. Whether yeah, you appreciate just yep. how movies are captured, it's worth your time. If you like to get involved with the, the human story, it's worth your time. I mean, it, uh, it's just a, a beautifully done thing. And I love a movie, full disclosure, I love a movie where by the end, you're just really rooting for the person. Like, yeah. I'm totally invested in this having a particular outcome um, and intelligently, it does and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It does and it doesn't. So some characters show up in the very end where you're like, okay, that's what I wanted, but not quite that way. And so, you know, it's it's well worth the price of admission. I, I think yeah. it's probably, if I had to guess, it's probably going to be the best movie I'm going to see this year. Uh, just came out strong right out of the gates. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. So we have a parasite in nineteen seventeen. Yeah, granted, we haven't seen each other's movies. Yeah, yeah. So we, I think next we should uh, watch them. And yeah, then next time we're able to sit back. around the microphones, we should probably watch them and say. Well, how about in two episodes? Yeah, in two episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We'll like maybe out of a scale of five stars, we'll give a hunter's movie. Two and a quarter stars or whatever. <laughs> it took me twice as long to watch the movie because I was having to read. Right? <laughs> uh, so this they kind of parallel, but we need to get to our recommends because uh, I know people are just every week they're like, "What do they recommend?" The, That's the, what I'm going to do. Yeah, like yeah. people stick around for most of the episode just so they can get just to the to recommends. Get to this part. Typically, yeah. So uh, what they you, hadn't figured out they can fast forward yet. Hey, but don't <laughs> yeah. tell them. We recommend the thirty second. No, 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 no. We don't recommend <laughs> that. So uh, what do you got? Uh, so mine is Netflix documentary, The Pharmacist. Have you guys seen that? 
No, no, just to, I'm super intrigued by the story that's like a dad who's like, yeah. F this, I'm going to solve this problem. It's crazy. Uh, so it's the story of this dad. Uh, they live right outside uh, New Orleans in the late 90s, early uh, mid, mid to late 90s. And his son uh, is a drug addict. Um, I think he gets hooked on uh, pain pills and then he moves on to heroin without his family even know about it. Well, his son goes to buy drugs and in new orleans um in the ninth ward gets killed and uh apparently the new orleans pd was just had an awful awful solve rate at that time so they just kind of like put on the back burner don't even really do much about it so the dad just fed up so he starts investigating he ends up finding out who does who did it it was like this 14 year old drug dealer kid and i don't even think the kid knows why they actually have the, the kid on the documentary interview him because he was a, a minor. He's out of jail now. Um, and so they interview him, and he he can't even tell why he did it. It was just crazy. But anyways, so he finds that out. Jeez. He solves the thing. That's like the first episode. It's a three-part, three-episodes thing. So then he's also – he's a pharmacist. He, he After he does this, he goes back – because he, he quit working. He, he was just so obsessed with figuring this murder case out after for a couple years. Um, so he goes back to work. And he starts noticing all these kids coming in about his son's age who are getting uh, prescri- uh, prescriptions for uh, Oxycontin filled like week- on a week-to-week basis. And around this time, like the drug overdose deaths are like skyrocketing in that area specifically. Um, turns out, it, I think they had the most per capita drug overdoses in the country in that, in that parish. Um, I think it's St. Bernard Parish. Um, and so, and then he starts like doing a little digging and paying attention and he starts noticing like the same doctors writing all these prescriptions, like 80 to 90% of their Oxycontin prescriptions that they're getting filled are from the same doctor. So he goes, he's like, this is, there's something going on here. And he, he starts asking these kids, like, what kind of pain are you in? And they don't, they don't even, you know, that's a very heavy painkiller. And a lot of them are just, they don't even have a whole lot of pain at all. So he goes to investigate and it's this this building that there's like lines out the door that she's working till like four in the morning, just, just passing out prescriptions. Well, it comes to find out this is what they call like a pill mill where, Mm. um, people like literally she just had like thousands of prescriptions already filled out. People would walk in, she would sign it and give it to them. And then, so they would go out and get their Oxycontin filled. And some of them would sell it for like five or six times the street value or the, the value that, that, that they were buying it for. A lot of them obviously were addicted. Like there was people that would wait two days in line. They would drive from three or four states over to come and get their prescriptions filled there. So then he like makes this it's a, it his mission to put put her out of business and and get that taken care of. Well, a couple years later, they finally like get her indicted and and get her taken uh, you know taken taken to jail. Well, um, they actually have her on the on the on the on the show too, which is pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, so then it's like, well, did the pharmaceutical company know about how bad like the, the, um, addiction problem was. So they start looking into that and apparently they, obviously they did know, but they didn't care cause they were making so much money. They were just like, sell more, sell more, sell more. Well now like the, that pharmaceutical company is literally getting sued by every single state in the country right now. Um, and they, they've already filed for bankruptcy and like, they're just going to get, uh, sued into oblivion right now but it was just like it it just kept climbing up the ladder like this whole systemic problem was like started by this pharmaceutical company who was just oh you know they were just pushing all this oxycontin on 
onto all these doctors and selling them like write more scripts, write more scripts. We're making more money, but in the in the process, like tens of hundreds of thousands of people are dying from overdoses from it. So it was fascinating just to see the whole all all the aspects of this um, this this drug that was just overprescribed and people were just abusing. It seems like the kind of thing that just is bad for my health. Just watching it, I'd get like angry and blood pressure oh, would go it, up. It makes and you angry. And then what happened was they finally um, put regulations and cut down on Oxycontin prescriptions. Well, all these people are addicted to it, so they're not just going to stop taking drugs. Well, apparently Oxycontin and heroin have the exact same um, uh, effect on your body. So then they just all switch, start doing heroin. And then, then it just, um, you know, then people start dying from heroin and that becomes like this, you know, the, one of the worst places in the world for heroin and all that type of stuff. So it's crazy. Mm. The ninth war d didn't have a great, uh, track record before all that. Anyway. Yeah, it's a pretty rough and, place. And this was actually in, in, um, the count the parish next to new Orleans. So it wasn't actually in new Orleans, the city, but I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy, and all this started in late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, and it's been repeated in other counties and parishes yeah, all, and cities, yeah. and all yeah. over the all over the country. Yeah, so I actually have a recommend, but uh, I'm going to teach a new word to our to our audience: blinker, which means we're about to take a hard right from <laughs> oxycotton and the heroin e epidemic. Cool. Right? Uh, yeah. So I have a recommend, and I'm bringing this up on this podcast because I feel like I finally I've struggled with money my entire adult life. Uh, either not having enough or having enough and spending it on dumb things. It's just, it's been a problem <laughs> for me personally. And uh, I've stumbled into something over the last month that's really changed things for me. And um, this is one of the best places I think to share it because I feel like now my, my approach to my finances actually matches my approach to my fitness. And we're always talking about how when you get disciplined in this, in this fitness area, it kind of spills over. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's a, a software out there. It's relatively inexpensive called YNAB, Y-N-A-B. You need a budget. And, uh, it's, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but man, has it changed my life? Um, th there's just a lot of intentionality. Uh, their first goal is for you to actually live on last month's money. So you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Current statistics, 80% of Americans are living, 80%, no matter their income level, are living paycheck to paycheck. Even six-figure paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Just increasing their lifestyle uh, gets you in that trouble. But the idea is if I'm in currently in February, I'm spending the money that I made in January, yeah. not the money that I made in February. They, develop, they have developed a software, a user interface that makes this so easy. It's so easy. So uh, I think the annual price to, to be able to use a software is somewhere around 80 bucks. And inside of 15 minutes, I made that 80 bucks back. Wow. Just by paying attention uh, to my expenditures. The bigger thing, though, is it's giving me freedom. Uh, I'm really just trying to create room to have a couple of kill cliffs a week. Yeah. That's what I'm out for. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I highly recommend it because I know when you're talking about stress levels in your life, you're talking about stress affecting your time in the gym, maybe while you're in the gym in the first place. So many people are struggling, struggling, struggling financially. And all this archaic advice about putting money under your mattress and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, it's, it's just outdated for a lot of us. Being able to use an app on your phone, take control of your money. Um, again, I will say watch a couple of videos because it's, it's, it's not traditional budgeting, uh, which most people are fed up with anyway. Uh, so you go to YNAB, uh, you need a budget .com, 
and it'll walk you through it. But man, I just cannot celebrate it enough. What was the biggest change that you made? Um, okay, here's, yeah, this is good. <laughs> Amazon. I'm going to put it out there. This is good. Uh, actually, no, I, I had pulled back on Amazon because that, nice. that was a big, I, I had to go through detox with Amazon Prime. <laughs> Purge. Uh, the biggest change that I have made is forecasting future expenses, larger expenses, breaking those down into smaller monthly increments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I already knew about giving every dollar a job and that sort of stuff. But for instance, one of my sons is going to summer camp this summer. It's going to be $599, well worth every dollar. Uh, but that's a large expense. To well hit. worth it to get them out of the house. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> a week without them, I'd pay double, you know. Um, but so that's a pretty large expense for for my family. That's a pretty large expense. Well, I do the math. I break it down. If I start paying on that now, what does that mean? That's a much more manageable amount. It's allocated and I have the balance of my checking account broken down because of all these line items. I'm never even going to think about it when it comes time to write that check. 600 bucks, boom, done. I plan for it. No big deal. The trick is to break things down into Kane's trips. I equate <laughs> yes. things to how many times do I skip Kane's this month to make and this happen? And what will that go towards? Here's something yes. really funny. I was talking to somebody about with uh, at the gym uh, about this yesterday. He was saying that, no lie, his kids eat at a minimum at Cane's 10 times a week. Oh, my gosh. What? He said they eat Cane's way more than Chick-fil-A. Sounds like a beautiful life. Yeah. Honestly. One thing I will say, if you if you take the deep dive and start watching videos of the guy that started the company, I'm pretty sure that he was a CrossFit coach before he started this business because he's got highly – I mean, the stuff that he's wearing and the way that he talks about finances – it really matches the language of, of CrossFit. Canes started, was around before CrossFit, though. What's that? Canes was around before CrossFit. No, no, no. I'm saying the guy, the YNAB guy. The wine- oh, oh, I thought you were talking about Canes. I was like, Canes and CrossFit? No, no, I'm talking about the YNAB guy. Oh, okay. If you watch his videos, you're like, um, okay, there's just a there's a parallel. That's why I bring it up. YNAB does kind of sound like a wad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a parallel between the way he talks about approaching your financial game and, and he'll bring some fitness examples in there, and he references that he used to be a coach at one time. So I don't know. It just seems like uh, it would be a, a cool little thing to investigate if that's something that's frustrating you right now listening to this episode, how your money's going. Yeah. Sweet. You're welcome. Thanks. No recommend, Chase? Oh, I have one. Oh, here we go. So in light of what Ben just said, uh, once again, hit your blinker because we're taking a hard right. <laughs> Uh, you're going to want to uh, break open your piggy bank. All those savings you've saved up, it's time to spend it. There's a thing called a Chemex, and mm. not enough people in the world are appreciating coffee like they do their wines or their whiskeys and stuff like that, and I'm I'm tired of it. <laughs> you deserve a better drink in the morning, not just a get-it-done kind of drink in the morning you're trying to rescue this chemex from hipsterville like you, like your drive to rescue masculinity in in our area i say it's time for people to take a step up and go from f minus coffee to at least a strong c plus all right it's time kroger carries a great brand now called Stumptown. you can go to whole foods and get a great brand called counterculture Chemexes are available literally anywhere, including Amazon, Ben. Filters you can get on Amazon or anywhere local. A lot of places carry it. 
it's time to invest. You don't have to go the full hipster route where you're weighing it and stuff like that. Just figure out a good dosage that you like. Change your mornings. It's going to be better for you, okay? <laughs> it's going to be better. There's you'll better. you'll yeah. thank me after next episode. There's okay? something to the process. There really is. It's, it, it is bizarre. The way you start your day and your, your coffee ritual, how it kind of says a lot about your life. If you're slamming that pod into Keurig just to get out the door, there's probably a lot of other stuff off the rails too. Yep, there's a better way change to live your, your coffee, life. Coffee change your life. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. We want to give for years. people the coffee of their life at their, at their own, own pace. pace in a supportive community. That's what they're that's what we're at out for. At chase level prices. Chase Free. level prices. Stump town. It sounds like I don't know, a Civil War vet like founded the company. <laughs> You know? Old stump town on the hill over there. He'll lead us. <laughs> all right, so Chemex. It's or a little French, intimidating. Or French press. There's there's all kinds of options to French do it well. French press is more approachable. The Chemex is a little intimidating because it's like, oh my gosh. See, I think the French press is more intimidating. Uh, I just There's so much grams and time. Just don't buy a percolator, okay? I don't care what your grandpa says. It's, I don't care if that's what they did when old stump town was leading the war. Unless your grandfather gives you the percolator. For free. Then you're like, uh, I just guess for I nostalgia. should use this, yeah. Yeah, so Kimmex. Also, probably need to watch some videos. On yeah, a, it's like, easy. Yeah, I mean, it's not that complicated, but it's just different. Hey, listen, if millennials can do it, you guys can do it, okay? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Only you could say that. Yeah. I think we should probably close the episode. Fine. See you guys next time. Or, how do you, you can't see on the radio. What does that work? Well, we're, this one's videoed. Oh. I forgot to tell us Hunter. On their, uh, That's right. Dandy app You'll see us phone. on the feed. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll see you in the feed. I don't know. Stop the bleeding. <laughs> Put him out of his misery, Chase. Silky smooth sounds.